Welcome back to Exploring Growth Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Today, I speak with Laura Erdem, uh, Senior Account Executive from DreamData.io. And we talk about revenue attribution and what it might look like to be a CMO for 100 days. All right. Thanks, Laura, for being on Exploring Growth Podcast. Lee, it's fantastic to be a part of your podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to, to get together with you and, and chat about some of the things that you have going on. Um, I I ran into you um, on LinkedIn and you are uh, doing a bunch of LinkedIn lives. I found a lot of value from them, started started listening in. And, um, and actually, I think one of the first points of engagement with you and your company was an article that you guys put out about uh, sales and marketing alignment. And I don't know if you remember that. That was probably like a year and a half ago or something. Um, and it was right before I started my podcast, actually. Now I'm thinking about it. And I mentioned it on the podcast. Um, and and because I was talking with um, uh, Dr. Riggs, who's a professor um, of, they actually have a sales program. And so we were talking about this kind of juxtaposition and what's happening with marketing and sales, uh, you know, and how is it growing and changing? And it was such a great article to use as a reference point in our conversation. So that's really kind of like my entry into Dream Data, obviously the company you're working with. And um, and then I was, you know, see all your great content on on LinkedIn. It's it's very, you know, kind of like non-biased. I like that you're kind of guiding people through um, how to think about revenue attribution for B2B. So it's been great. I And, I, and I'm glad to finally have you have you here. Lee, thank you so much. This is a huge compliment for our content writer because, well, he's writing the articles that we think are either possible buyers or influencers for our buyers might be interested in. Mm -hmm. We talk a little bit about ourselves. How are we running revenue? How are we running our teams? And since we are a B2B SaaS company ourselves, a lot of companies might be either doing the same or trying to pivot pivot towards that. So mm-hmm. this is a huge compliment that that you find it relevant. We can definitely talk about the sales and marketing alignment with Dream Data. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you want to just say a, a word about Dream Data and what, what you guys are about? I think that'd be Yeah, good. thank you. So Dream Data is a scale-up in Copenhagen, and we work with revenue attribution. So it's more or less mapping out all of your go-to-market data. That means all of your online touches, your traffic to your CRM, so you can understand that what marketing is doing, is it actually converting into sales? All of those fantastic campaigns, are they driving revenue? Or are sales not able to close all those deals that you're bringing in? Mm-hmm. So we're helping teams to understand what drives revenue so they can scale those pieces of their company. Very important, very important stuff. Um, so let's, let's talk about revenue, um, and revenue attribution is one of the major topics that you guys are about. That's what you're talking about a lot on LinkedIn. Um, and so I have this question for you that I thought would be kind of fun to kind of kick off our conversation. And, you know, a lot of my audience is obviously B2B, but they're mid market somewhere around the 10 million mark. And they're, they're, you know, plus or minus, and, and they're building, they probably have a little bit of a, a pretty good sales team. And now they're trying to build a brand and, you know, they're thinking about all of these different things and they go out there like all of us do and they find uh, information on Google and LinkedIn and various places, YouTube, uh, about how to build a team. You know, they're hiring, um, they're hoping to hire a player 
um, marketing directors, VP marketing to lead this effort of building the marketing part out. Um, so, you know, that's my audience, right? Th those are the people who are, are tuning in. If, if you were a CMO if, or, or VP marketing, whatever the title may be for a hundred days at one of these companies, these mid-sized B2B companies, what would you do to install best practices for revenue attribution? That's, mm -hmm. that's really, I think would be really interesting because it, it gives us a lot of, you know, room to room to, to run. Yeah. And it's a very exciting question for a salesperson because I run sales <laughs> at Dream Data. And what if I was a CMO? How would I yeah. do the work? Yeah. So, okay, somebody hired me, a salesperson, as a CMO at a company that is sales driven, huh? Mm -hmm. And they're trying to kick off their marketing and so on. So, the first and the far most important thing is to set the CMO free for a long time. Yeah. So if sales are steering marketing's work, it's very likely not going to perform as you expect it to do because it's such a different discipline. Yes. Sales might be thinking what's helping their clients to buy, but they know their clients already there when they're in the consideration phase mm -hmm. or when they're getting them on the cold calls. They're still not aware and so on. Mm -hmm. And Education of your clients is a total different realm than what sales know about at all. Mm -hmm. So if I was a CMO, first of all, before I'm hired, I would have a serious talk with the CEO of where am I going to have my mark? What do you expect from me? Who am I going to collaborate with? And how much freedom do I have? And that might be a lot of nice words because everybody would say, mm -hmm. oh, you're, yeah, you're free to go. And so on. yeah, but what are you going to measure me upon right. and when? Because marketing takes time. B2B marketing. So we've, we've run some overviews of our clients. So an average B2B SaaS customer journey takes 192 days. 192 days to close a business from awareness first touch in the customer journey mm -hmm. up till the business is closed. So if you have that time and you would say to a CMO, oh yeah, you kick off your things and so on, and then we will measure you in a month or two. Well, that's not going to work. And then as soon as you know your the length of the customer journey, the CMO also has to be chosen in the right direction because the CEO has to ask the CMO what will be the first things that you're going to do. Because mm -hmm. if the CMO starts talking about, oh, we're going to be building the brand and redoing the website and all that kind of beautiful things, the things that are seen on the mark of the CEO would see the actual website. Oh, yes, he or she did the work. They changed mm -hmm. the website. But it did, did it bring any revenue? And then the CMO could start like lowballing, say, yeah, but it takes time and so on. So there has to be a balance of the expectations and the deliveries. At Dream Data, when we started our marketing and did not have that much of demand to start with, what our CMO started to do is creating articles and information to our prospect buyers about everything that sales have been asked on the calls. Whenever we had a question on a sales call we could not answer or needed a longer explanation, that means that there are more people on the web looking for those answers. Then we would create a blog or a document about it, and we just continue doing that. If you have zero content or very high-level content, get very 
basic into what questions your buyers are looking to get answered. As soon as you've got that, go higher up level and start educating your market. And then you can talk about sales and marketing, alignment, whatever it is that you're selling, like higher level information so that when they come to you to learn that stuff, they will also learn about the questions that our buyers usually are asking. And then they're closer into the sales conversation because a lot of questions would be answered by your articles before they actually meet sales. And that will save sales time as well. For sure. I, I would just say that like that, that underscores a lot of the things I've, I've been saying for years. And to simplify it, I would say sales is not marketing and marketing is not sales. And the, a lot of times I have to um, install a new mindset for um, the manager or and or executives that are bringing me in because they're they're, they're very, a lot of times short-term thinking, they're very results tomorrow driven uh, because they've been doing sales for a number of years. And so now they want marketing to do what sales was doing and that doesn't work. So I love that you start off with number one, what are we measured by? Because what that's going to do, I think just because I'm thinking about conversations that I've had with actual CEOs. And I think what that's going to to result in is them asking you, well, I don't know how to measure you, right? So then you have to give them, it kind of goes back to my point of, they, they're looking for A player um, CMOs, right? Because they they need someone to come in and show them the way. Um, now, that's kind of a tricky thing because they want to hold them accountable to what sales was doing, but they don't know how. So I, I love that that is that is where you started because that's such a important conversation to set the mindset correctly and establish a basis for what, how, how they're being measured. And then as they're moving along, everyone having their own um, territories. And of course, as you said later on, then they can become an alignment. Um, but so I love that. That's, that's a, that's a great start. So you're hired, you're hired. <laughs> We, for a hundred days. Yeah, for a hundred days. And if <laughs> actually, you know, it's kind of funny that we're we're talking like this because it's just a you know a riff, but that's kind of how a lot of people think. They yeah. they you know they, they may not say you're hired for a hundred days, but if you don't work out in a hundred days, like if you don't produce new revenue in a hundred days, yeah. they're gonna start questioning you. So again, that's that's very much a sales mentality. Um, and you said it's 192 days until someone buys. So you know, that's 90 days outside of the 100 days that you've been given to perform. Um, so actually, that's a very interesting position that you've created here, because after 100 days, I think it, I think paying someone what they're paying, you know, a high level executive marketer to come in and run a team and do all this, there's a lot of cost involved. They haven't really done this to a large extent before, unless they've been part of another company previously and seen it work. Caveat. So here we are at the end of a hundred days yeah. and you're going to start to kind of get a little itchy. Uh, those board meetings are going to start to start to rumble. Right. Precisely. And the marketer, even if they are a player, they're the star, you know, Laura has decided to leave her sales career behind and start, you know, become a professional CMO. You know that, yeah. or you don't know, you still have another 90 days to go 92 days. So that's like another hundred days. So in a hundred days, you're worthless. 
right? I mean, it, it could it could become like that. That could be the, the the mindset if it's set wrong. That hey, in a hundred days, what have you really done? Precisely. You know that that to me, I I feel that so much out there talking to CEOs. It so is. yeah. There are two things about this. So I, before I joined DreamData, I used to work for Gartner and selling to the CTOs and CIOs. And one of the biggest reports that Gartner is usually sold for the C-level C suite mm -hmm. is first 100 days. So one of the things for the salespeople, mm -hmm. as soon as there is a new C-level in the company you're mm -hmm. selling to, go out and talk to them about the first 100 days. What do you need to do in the first hundred days? Makes and sense, yeah. for the CMOs, I mean, it has to be the right things that you're measured upon. What yeah. is it that you can have an impact on? Can you at all drive any revenue? What will you be measured upon on the way? So those mm -hmm. 192 days, well, that's how long it takes for a client to find you and to buy the solution. But mm -hmm. if you were to measure a CMO on the 192 days, well, mm -hmm. those prospects first needs to come in and be aware of you. So that work mm -hmm. starts even before 192 days. So it's even yes. longer. Yes. So I, I sense that is the reason why the CMO's careers are so short. Yes. It's like for 100 days, all they're doing is updating their LinkedIn bio. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, Cause at the I end of 100 days, more. they're done. <laughs> exactly next 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 exactly That's right. yeah so i hope the mindset will be changing a little bit especially for b2b SaaS. i mean if you are yeah. a b2c cmo i think the impact is much faster because your yeah. buyers are buying so much faster but yeah. for b2b it's it's a different but the, the mentality has already been established there with b2c because sales is sort of marketing you know, um, sales is wrapped in with digital marketing. So you're already, you're already accustomed to spending money on ads. And so when you come into from a sales, purely just cold calling, cold emailing, you know, events, field marketing, whatever you're doing to, to generate leads. And now you're doing um, real marketing and doing things that are, are higher uh, are harder to, to attribute. Um, and you may not even have a high, high qualified CMO that's done this before. I mean, you're saying 192 days, then tack on maybe 90 days prior to prep for the 192. So we're getting, you know, we're getting close to a year here yep. um, of, of really not a lot of traction. So that's interesting because it really, it really sets you up to, um, to have a powerful story from Dream Data to, to explain like, okay, you're going to support the CMO in, in, communicating to the C-suite how progress is being made, I, I assume. Yeah, exactly. So if in 192 days, the, you know, you, you're, you haven't attributed any sales, well, you should be able to look at some data and say, it's coming. Yeah, exactly. To start looking at the early pipeline, the early views into what is being brought in. Are those converting further into the pipeline? What is sales starting to do on that? What's working? Where are we dropping them off? That's where attribution comes in. So you can understand the full customer journey. For sure. So, I mean, what are some of the things that, or, or maybe just one thing that they should be thinking about prior to the 100 days so if they were looking to hire someone, what are the prep, what's the prep work look like? Yeah, so really important to start tracking on the website. 
-hmm. proper tracking. Usually it comes from either your web development team or even from the product team. If you are a B2B SaaS company, very Mm -hmm. likely your product team is already tracking what's happening in the product. Do exactly the same on your website. And if you understand where your traffic is coming from, when the new CMO is joining, that will be so much easier to grasp and -hmm. figure out, okay, most of the traffic is coming from here. Let's figure out how we can close this. Or we have no traffic from here. Let's see if we need the presence in here and the testing will be much, much faster instead Mm -hmm. of that you have to start collecting your traffic and understanding the historics. And then it will take much longer than 200 days for it, for sure. Yeah, so it gives them some kind of general benchmark to to run with, um, and so um, I kind of go back to the content part of it. Um, and I, I know prior to the call, you were saying like a lot of your LinkedIn lives and things that you're doing are still kind of experimental, um, and I like that because I love experiments because that's how we we test and grow. Um, were were you think were your team were, when they're thinking about creating um, content? Were they thinking about it? Prim- um, primarily from an SEO standpoint, or were they, did they have sort of a duality of mind from a sales support standpoint? To start with, it was purely sales support. Okay. I mean, we are aware of SEO, but Mm -hmm. the first thing is we need to help the troops up front talking Mm -hmm. with our prospects to close those deals. That's right. And if we're able to have that in writing, it will be easier to have that explained on the calls. Mm -hmm. First priority. Then as soon as we had that part, then we started to see what type of a content is starting to bring in our clients. Is that what we're doing on LinkedIn? Is that Mm -hmm. what's going on on the website? Where are our prospects? Where do they come from? Where do we have to be with the high level content and with the specific content? It Mm -hmm. really depends on where on the education journey our clients are, our prospects and the clients are. And then the SEO kicked in to... Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of that started on on your website, I assume, you know, content articles and those those type of um, um, pieces of content. And then it probably moved off to include also places like LinkedIn. Is that correct? Yeah. So the mastermind of it all is our CMO. He's fantastic. And he is the one making sure that we have the content that our prospects might be willing to read. And if the content that we wrote is not performing, we're figuring out what to write more of and less of. What mm-hmm. is it that at all not helping our clients to mm-hmm. convert into any types of further pipelines? And the content on LinkedIn comes after that. Mm-hmm. This is something that is enabling our team to be proactive on LinkedIn and talk about the things that are relevant for our prospects. And we see that from either sales conversations because we record them, we talk about them on Slack and so on. Right. Plus, we see the insights and dream data. What type of content is helping our prospects to move for, further in the pipeline? And the people who are on LinkedIn, they very likely only want to read the high-level content. Sometimes we mix in the more technical attribution content and so on. And that one is actually helping out the prospects that are already in the pipeline or really considering the solution to read more and understand, okay, so this is how I can also use an attribution platform, kind of education one to many instead of I had to send videos to each and every prospect. Sure. I love that. That's great. Um, and uh, so since we're kind of talking about content, um, talk a little about a little bit about your LinkedIn 
Um, I, I think it's interesting, you know, to get your perspective since you live in this marketing world as a salesperson, right? There's, there's so much, um, there's so much, um, I don't know what's the right word to use, but like empowerment, I guess, as a, um, growth professional to have a sales mind, but also in a marketing world. Um, because that's where I feel like B2B is. You have to really understand sales to understand marketing and vice versa. Like the, you really have to have a, an overlap. You can't just be, you know, siloed. So I'm curious, you know, how, how it plays out for you or how it's playing out for you on LinkedIn specifically. Um, you know, um, tell me about what you're doing and, and what's working. Definitely. You alluded a little bit to that before, like mm -hmm. where is the market moving for B2Bs, mm -hmm. especially for how sales and marketing are collaborating. Because That's before right. in time, it was so purely siloed. When I used to work at Red Hat for what is it now, six, seven years ago, mm -hmm. marketing is a part of the company that is making sure that events are well executed and they're just asking us for a list of leads that we mm -hmm. got at the events. This is the silo. That's where we shook our hands. That's it. Mm -hmm. But where I see it moving right now is exactly what you're talking about. Sales has to do a little bit of marketing because your prospecting will be just as good as you're able mm -hmm. to grasp your audience, especially if you're selling to sales or marketing professionals. They're bombarded with messaging with information all over the place and for it to okay. stand out in a way that people remember what you talk about, not mm -hmm. even knowing that you're actually selling to them, but educating them, then it mm -hmm. will be much easier for them to come over to you and at the end of the day, be sold to because nobody sure. wants to be sold to marketing no. sounds very marketing-ish and, Oh, we help <laughs> companies do this and that. This yeah. is boring for a salesperson and nobody yes. will buy on that messaging. But if you're able to join the two and start talking about the problems in the market, the buyers will be attracted by that because mm -hmm. it will be a voice that, okay, so if she's able to explain the solutions in those types of words, maybe if I'm in the sales conversation with this person, that might not be a waste of time. I might even learn something. Maybe not buy to start with. That will be my job to convert you yeah. to buy. <laughs> but yeah. but you will be much more eager to engage in a conversation. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I, I feel like education is that kind of critical piece where it's not that you're necessarily teaching people, but you're relating information. You're, you're relaying and relating information to them um, in the context that makes sense to them. So... I really feel like LinkedIn Live is um, is really the center of the universe for the most part. I mean, I don't want to make it too extreme, but I feel like LinkedIn Lives are highly underrated, highly undervalued because it allows you to do what we're doing here in a with a feedback loop involved, you know, um, and and I, I, I think that it's invaluable to get that feedback. I think there's a balance between um, you know, um, uptaking the feedback that you're getting for, about need and problems and, and giving that information, relating that information back to them and balancing it with helping your audience to understand what they actually need, you know, because they may not know they're in the process of figuring out what solves their problem or what their problem even is. 
Um, but I think in those conversations, those live conversations, it gives you the, it's an even better um, mechanism than what we have here on the podcast, because here it's, they're listening now and they may, you know, make a comment or something retro, but um, I, I really love that for that reason. And I, as I've been a part of a couple of yours um, and I like how they've been run um, just, you know, they feel like uh, back to this word relatable, right? It, I feel like um, you're doing a good job of getting of not only yourself, but you're, you're getting your guest to take the knowledge that they have about the, the market or the, whatever's happening in their, their domain and relating it to the buyer so that it might hit on a nerve that might be a problem somewhere. And it's not necessary. It has nothing to do with really with sales as it much as it does as much as about bringing together all the pieces of the puzzle for that uh, user to kind of make up their mind about where we're he- where they're headed. Yeah. Of course, it's all about timing for, for the user. It is. And thank you very much for the compliment. It's, it is still an experiment. That's what I'm saying. And that's yeah. why it's so nice to hear the feedback like this means that we are on the right path. Mm-hmm. And so the way at Dream Day we started to run LinkedIn Lives was very experimental. One of the times we were sitting at our sales pipeline review and talking with the CMO and saying, why don't we do our Dream Data demos live? Like people, whoever wants to drop in, they just drop in and do that. Mm-hmm. And what's the best platform? Well, we're already on LinkedIn. Let's try to do a LinkedIn live. Mm-hmm. And I said, fine. It, it was my idea. I said, let's do it. Yeah. And I'll do it. I'll run like every second week. I can run something like this. Yeah. And the first time, it, it was almost a complete flop <laughs> because I, I had to figure out how streaming works and so on. I was talking 15 yeah, minutes with myself and, uh, and <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like that. Then our CTO comes in and says, Laura, you know that nobody can hear you. We don't see anything. So, oh, shit, <laughs> I'm halfway through. So And then I figured out that that you cannot do demos on LinkedIn Live because the screen is very small. The people yeah. who are listening, they cannot see what you're showing. Mm-hmm. I think we had like 10 people joining. So that that mistake is fine. And it's mm-hmm. the best way to test this out. Sure. That one didn't work. Then we took the next one and the next one. And then instead of me presenting something, I started to invite people to it. Mm-hmm. And people to start with, it was on site. So I said, who do I know of marketers? who would be good to be guests on our LinkedIn live, who could share mm-hmm. something relevant for my audience on LinkedIn, for Dream Data's audience on LinkedIn. So right. we spoke like, what is it, what should, how do you prepare for your first CMO role? Or how do you do demand generation? Like really general topics. Mm-hmm. Or how do you do proper UTM mapping? Things that people relate to, but sure. we almost never spoke about dream data. It states right. who's hosting the, the session. Mm-hmm. All of the people who came in, they came, well, they are already our clients. So mm-hmm. they felt a little bit obliged to mention dream data once in a while. That helped. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah. not the purpose of it at all. Sure. And then later we thought, okay, so let's invite somebody else and let's try to do it online. Maybe that will work as well. Yeah. Just like we're, we two are talking from the different parts of the world. We started to do that and we started to see that it's actually working. People are yeah. willing to join. We're having like 
100 people click attend and like 50 come to the to the live show that's amazing numbers and yes, i was it doing it every second week then our cmo is coming over saying laura could we do that every week i said no no no, no. i'm in sales <laughs> so yeah. now we stop this <laughs> that's where he joined me so now we do it every week but uh -huh. he's doing some of the shows i'm doing some other shows as well and we just swip, gotcha. uh, swap and then he invites maybe a little bit higher based cmos from like i don't know who was he talking like profit well and bigger companies because he knows right. the topic and i can take on other guests that i'm just very curious about the topic and that also matches the audience interest so we can just have a sure. very good chat about it so you're, are you finding most of your guests on linkedin now yes and yeah. you're reaching out to them or, or i assume probably some of them are reaching out to you it's sort of like this where we're i mean most of the people don't reach out to us yet. So we're not that big. It's still an experiment. Okay. <laughs> so so no, no autograph signings or anything yet. No, but I can tell <laughs> you about the, the feeling of being known as well oh, a little later. I bet. But kind of weird. Yeah, it is. But we invite so far, but it's also a very good thing because we can choose who we want on the show. Yeah. So we're inviting and we're inviting them personally. So it's not mm -hmm. like a third party, somebody inviting or they have to fill out something. We write to the people we want on the show. We tell them why we want them on the show and what is it that we're going to talk about. It yeah, takes okay. 30 minutes for them. It's good exposure for them. It becomes a yeah. podcast later as well. So mm -hmm. it's it's very targeted. And if somebody would come over to us and ask if they can be on our live show, we will still need to discuss if it's a good idea because it has mm -hmm. to match our audience. So mm -hmm. the best way to do it is to approach people you want to be on your show, really. I like that. So what has so far with this experiment, what has it done for dream data? I mean, do you have any, cause I know you guys are about, you know, attributing success through the pipeline. Um, what can you say about what your time spent on this has done so far? So interesting you asked. And so now I'm opening the blog that we've released like, yesterday. I thought you would never ask. <laughs> no, but we've released a blog about this. And the next LinkedIn Live will be me and Stefan next week talking about what did we achieve with LinkedIn Lives. That's awesome. So, That's great. <laughs> the, the perfect timing. So yeah. we ran last year, we ran 32 LinkedIn Live sessions. Out of those 32, we had over 18,000 attendees. Live. Wow. Uh, 28 people we spoke with external from Dream Data and lifetime minutes watched was 616 hours. Wow. It's a lot for That's an experiment. Lot. It's crazy. That is crazy. So are those watch hours from LinkedIn native or is that after LinkedIn? Because you, you said you turn it into a podcast, right? Yeah, that's only native LinkedIn. We did wow. not. Podcast is really like baby steps so far. So we don't get yeah, yeah. a lot from that. That's, that's amazing, though. I mean, I can't uh, I would never would have thought that. I mean, I guess consistency of, you know, one hour here, one hour there. Um, it builds, uh, you know, the snowball effect. It does. And when we look at how long people stay on the LinkedIn Live, I mean, mm -hmm. when I listen to a LinkedIn Live, I sometimes drop off if, I don't know, mm -hmm. something happens, whatever, because it's secondary. You're just there and while doing something yeah. else, right? Yeah, right. And right. If, you, if people don't drop off and even ask questions while having the session, this is mm -hmm. so easy to measure if it is bringing value to your audience. Yeah. 
Now, what about um, past LinkedIn? So um, of all of those at watch hours and, you know, viewers, do you have any kind of um, uh, next steps from those? We're starting this. So it's still an untapped market. So we hired mm -hmm. three new SDRs into Dream Data because okay. we have so much demand that we're not able to tap into it by ourselves only with the same hands. So the sure. idea is to start conversations with all the people who have been on our LinkedIn Live, especially mm -hmm. when the topic is around marketing measurements and exactly mm -hmm. the topics that are like would help people to figure out that they maybe need an attribution solution. So we're tapping sure. more and more into this to move it over to sales, closer to sales. And at the same time, we're repurposing some of the LinkedIn Live. So they're being pushed into webinars. They're being pushed into YouTube. We do recreate them as content. Some of them are becoming articles as well. So that yeah. marketing part is also being picked up. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, so kind of now that we've, 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 we've gone around the world here with, uh, you know, content and attribution, let's go back, if you don't mind, to the 100 days. Because now that you've been hired, I want to I want to talk more about like uh, kind of breaking down attribution a little bit um, for, let's say the the CEO you know as a CMO newly hired, what are you going to um, measure me by? And the CEO says, well, I don't know what to measure you by. And what you know they don't say that directly, of course, because they they don't want to look bad. But now you're going to tell them, okay, well, you know, for this to go well and for your ears to not be itching in a hundred days. Um, here are some of the first things that here's how I would lay the foundation for um, attribution. What, how would you lay that out for them? And it can be high level too. Again, re remember this is kind of like, you know, getting things started and getting the bedrock formed. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, likely if the company was very sales driven, it would be difficult to run attribution and get a CMO measured according to attribution the first hundred days. Because mm -hmm. the first thing, as we spoke about, tracking has to be has to come in place. So the mm -hmm. technology in the background, not even attribution technology, tracking, making sure that your UTM mappings are right, so you know mm -hmm. where your traffic is coming from. Starting to do some experimentation on your paid channels, starting to write some of the blogs and see how do they perform purely on traffic to start with. Mm -hmm. and on form submissions. For that, you don't need attribution. Google Analytics is enough, or if you want an alternative and understand how B2B companies perform on engagement, you can use Dream Data for free for that. So mm -hmm. kind of start with traffic, see where they're coming from, get the foundation done. And mm -hmm. when you know and see some of the basics for that, you will start to build the data on top of it. Your okay. CRM has to work. For you to have a proper attribution, CMO mm -hmm. even has to know how the pipeline is looking. How are mm -hmm. we measuring the salespeople? How are our prospects moving throughout the pipeline? Because if you start measuring a CMO according to attribution for, I don't know, sales qualified leads, well, we mm -hmm. need to talk about what is a sales qualified lead. When is the time that sales call it a sales qualified lead? When is it that they're dropping off? So those mm -hmm. measurements are going to be so different depending on the company's maturity as well. And sure. to begin with, you don't need attribution. You need attribution when you've got some basic data in place. 
There are so many okay. prospects we're talking with where it's like, please go back and do some homework before we actually en engage. Yeah. 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 And, and then later, then you'll figure out, depending on your market, like paid works really well for a lot of companies. For SaaS mm -hmm. companies, review sites is something golden. So our CMO, every single quarter is collecting reviews from G2, Captera, because we know it works. We know mm -hmm. that's where our like buying ready prospects are coming through. And mm -hmm. if we're there, we're easy to find. So then mm -hmm. you can break it down to specific points. Are you going to measure me on how paid is performing? Are you going to measure me on how our review sites are performing? Are we getting clients? Mm -hmm. Are we closing them through that? So there are so many moving parts depending on the business, but tracking has to be in place to start with. And then you can put the layers of various channels to test. I like that. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And fundamentals is what I'm hearing. And then, you know, um, it's really like, it's like, I think sometimes what we will do is we'll overcomplicate something that is actually very simple. Um, you know, this idea of, um, you know, to make it more broadly is finding the platforms where your users are hanging out socially, but where are they hanging out for the technical part too? Because I know there's a lot of software companies, I've worked with a handful of them, that they have um, industry specific um you know, watering holes, right? Where pe people are going to look at certain types of software or whatever. Uh, and so, you know, to your point um, about these review sites, it's if they're going, if you know they're going to be there, then that's probably a place that you want to be. Now, if, if you're not in software and you're in, you know, manufacturing or something else, um, you know, there's like an equivalent of that somewhere. Yeah. Um, I was working with a training company um, recently and they have an association that has a very, that's the watering hole for, for everyone that's, you know, looking to continue their um, CEs and all of that. And they have a list serve that whenever anything's posted there, pretty much everybody sees it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they can, they can literally have one person, a client make a, you know, testimonial on the list serve and they'll get new business. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's like, why overcomplicate something that, you know, at, at the bottom, you know, the fundamental level that can be a, initial source of revenue that always works almost in perpetuity. Exactly. Chris Walker speaks about that a lot. Talk to your clients. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most important part is to talk to your clients and the prospects, ask them right. where have they heard about you from? They'll yeah. tell you the one channel they remember they find you mm -hmm. about from. And then when you've got that significant amount of data, do attribution on top of it and figure out mm -hmm. if that person telling you they found you on LinkedIn, but they had seven touches before, one on Google, one on Reddit, one on Captera. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. LinkedIn is very important because that's what they remember, but you still have to be on the other ones because attribution mm -hmm. tells you that that person actually was there as well. So it's mm -hmm. like, talk to the people and then for sure have the data in place to be able to figure out how are they actually buying or what is it that they remember? For sure. So as we wrap this up, what else would you tell a CEO of a, of a mid-level company that's growing and they're wanting this to work, um, but they don't have really the, 
I don't know. They don't have, they don't know what they don't know. They need that expert, you know, marketer um, to come in and tell them. What, what else would you give them? I think it's very important that they let the marketer go in a way because a lot of CEOs in the companies, especially if they're sales led, they understand mm -hmm. everything through the sales lens and they will measure the CMO on the same values. They measure the sales. Right. And if they don't have an impact immediately, well, it's a fast fire. And mm -hmm. so CEOs have to start understanding that it takes time to get marketing. And for the CMOs joining companies that are sales led, well, have a very honest conversation and figure out that you actually trust the CEO telling that they will yeah. let you go and let you do the stuff. It could be this is what they want to do. But yeah. when the shit hits the fan and you're mm -hmm. not showing your deliverables that you have agreed upon, how are we going to deal with this? Or am I going to yeah. be fired or can I go ahead and do more experimentation? I love it. I love it. And uh, with that, you got the position. Um, you have 100 days and good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You'll be fired in 90, 95 days. <laughs> and then you can update your LinkedIn once again. I think that's, that's right. why we're seeing that many fractional CMOs because yeah. then it's kind of a safe way to go in and out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's an interesting take. I like that. And and I would agree with you on that. Uh, I think the whole market has sort of become fractionalized, you know, where you see the Fivers and Upworks and um, freelancers and, you know, kind of working from your van in whichever country. Um you know, but uh, yeah, that's that's great. I, I've loved talking with you. This has been a great conversation and as I knew it would. And um, I'm looking forward to having you back if you'll if you'll come back in the future um, and we'll keep following you on LinkedIn. I'll put all of your um, information below website, you know, contact on LinkedIn and everything so people can can find you. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you for the invitation. It was a pleasure to finally meet you. Definitely. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Exploring Growth Podcast. If you are getting any kind of value out of this, um, please feel free to share this with a colleague, a peer, a friend, a neighbor, a stranger, anyone. Uh, we want to get this out to as many B2B, mid-market, B2C uh, growth leaders as possible um, so they can get value as well. Also, if you don't mind, leave a review on Spotify, Apple, or all the other platforms, wherever you're listening to this. It would definitely help us with visibility.